Hey guys, you're listening to Caffeine Problems with me, Jacqueline Smith. This episode brought to you in part by Clovis. Hey guys, so today I want to talk to you about our brand new daily D3 plus K2 supplement. It comes in a capsule, it has D3 and K2, but it also has calcium and black pepper to help with optimization and absorption into the body. Now, why D3? It's just a more bioavailable, more efficient, more high quality supplement form of vitamin D than what you're going to find at the pharmacy or in the grocery store. Now, why supplement with D? Isn't 15 minutes in the sun enough? For some people, yes. For some people, no. Most people are significantly deficient in vitamin D. And vitamin D also works kind of like a hormone in the body. So that's why you can do something like a vitamin D supplementation and experience a lot more mood balance, um, immunity health. There's just a lot of benefits of taking something like vitamin D. It's why we chose it as our next supplement to roll out because we just really felt that it was important for a lot of people to be experiencing more vitamin D in their lives. And if you're as fair-skinned as I am, spending too much time in the sun just isn't an option. And I'm not open to chemical-laden, disgusting, hard-to-get-off-the-skin sunscreens. And while my kids are still savage and outside all the time, as am I, I just really like knowing that I'm getting what I need, vitamin D-wise, from a supplement with a name that I trust, like Clovis. If you want to try vitamin D3 plus K2 and see what it does for your mood, for your energy, for your vitality, you can click the link in the show notes and grab it right there. As always, we have a 100% money back guarantee. And if you have any questions about it, just DM me. I'll be happy to answer anything that you want to know. And now onto the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, we're going to be talking about something that I'm a little nervous to talk to you guys about. This is not my first take on recording this episode. Um, It's something that has been popping up a bit in the social media that I follow and in my personal life, which for me feels like a clue or a sign to kind of talk to you guys about it. So here we are, but know that I'm going to be using really strong language in this one. And I don't mean like expletives. Y'all are used to that by now. Uh, If this is your first show, I talk like a sailor, but it's fine. What I mean by strong language is using words like trauma, vulnerability, emotional manipulation, stuff that's really thrown around a lot by influencer, quote unquote, psychologists today. You know, there's this whole revolution of people talking about psychoanalytical terms and practices and stuff online that they may or may not know what they're talking about. I don't know, but I think the language that is being used a lot is confusing to a lot of people who've never been in traditional therapy or any other kind of therapeutic practices. So while I'm going to be using words that might evoke kind of a very strong response from you, I just want you to be patient with me and understand that I'm using the vernacular that I'm using because I don't have better words. Um, So just keep that in mind while we get through this episode. But what I want to talk about is taking a hard look at yourself and asking yourself if you're truly being vulnerable with people or if you're practicing a very benign type of emotional manipulation. How this topic even came in, uh, even showed up on my radar was originally through a post, an audio clip from Mastin Kip, who I've talked to y'all about before. He's a really great self-empowerment kind of guru, if you will that you can find on the internet. He has a book, all the places. 
But what he talks about is how people pick emotionally unavailable partners when they don't want to be emotionally vulnerable themselves. And then I saw another post on TikTok. Yes, I uh, I downloaded the freaking tickety talk app. <laughs> sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes it's a bit much. But anyway, there's, uh, I think she identifies as, the with the pronoun she, um, called Orion's Charge. And she's fantastic. She's been through a lot of trauma and she just kind of processes it with you in the way that she understands her own treatment. And she talks about, again, how people who don't actually want to be vulnerable pick partners that they know from the jump will not be emotionally available. So, okay, what does this actually look like? I've done this pretty much my entire life. So when I heard this concept, one of two things happen. Either you have a really strong visceral reaction, you're like, there's no way that this is me, this is ridiculous, I've been trying so hard to find love, so hard to find connection, nobody understands me, I give, 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 and I never get it back. Or if you've been in the thick of work like I have, or at least this is why I'm able to recognize it, I was just like, oh shit, that's that's me, that's 100% me my entire life. So what this looks like is you date people or you engage in friendships where you're never really getting your cup filled up. You tell yourself and you do things where you're giving, 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 you're making your partner's life easier or you're gifting things to your friends or you're showing up way more than is asked of you again and again and again and again, but the people that you are engaging with don't show up for you in the same way. And whether it's right off the bat or eventually don't appreciate what you're doing for them. And then you're left feeling a little bit resentful or you are dragging another adult through life. We see this in kind of old school marriages a little bit more where it's just like your partner maybe needs help with budgeting and finances and you take care of the kids and you uh, make all of the appointments and you keep track of when the car needs an oil change and you like you do 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 and they just kind of show up and it starts out fine because usually the way that it starts out is you are giving, 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 showing up so big, so much, so loving, and the other person is just blown away by you, right? This is how my own story works too. I do way more. I'm super considerate. My ADHD brain means that I can think of 12 ways to make you happy instead of just two. So why don't I do all 12? And the other person is so appreciative because other people haven't shown up for them like that. Other people don't remember the way that they take their coffee the first time that they say it out loud. Other people don't remember important dates. Other people don't send them cute little notes or, you know, all of the freaking things. Help them meal prep or whatever it is that they're into. You kind of cater what you do for them based on what their interest is, where their emotional capacities are, all of that stuff. So you start out doing that and they're super appreciative and they just think that you're amazing and your dopamine is just going through the roof because this is what you want. You want to be recognized 
for the amazing fucking magnanimous human being that you are. So it feels amazing. But what happens when we do for other people, like literally doing it for them, is eventually it stops feeling special and it just feels normal. And then they stop appreciating you. And then you get resentful because you're not getting your dopamine hit. So then what do we do? Then we remind them that we're doing all of these things for them. And then it starts to feel a little naggy for them, but they, they'll thank you because you've reminded them like, hey, you know, I've done X, Y, and Z. I've done all the laundry. I remembered I got you your favorite, blah, 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 blah. And then they start saying thank you and appreciative and giving you the compliments, the dopamine hit that you want again. And then again, that starts to feel normal. So then it stops happening again. And then you get even more antsy because you're not getting your hit. You're not getting your validation, your external validation from other people that you are enough. So then what happens is you start doing even more or you start complaining even more that they don't appreciate you, one or the other or both. And then they start getting appreciative again and then that falls off. And then the next thing you know, you have two people who are on completely different pages. One person is getting catered to but is resentful that they have to be so appreciative that they're not even making their own choices sometimes. You're doing it for them in your attempt to give to them. And then you're resentful that they are not showering you with the affection and approval that they did when you first started dating and everybody's miserable. This is literally my whole life story. Plus, from the bat, you never expressed your needs because the dopamine hit was enough. So now you're six months a year into this relationship And you're like, you know what? I'm not getting that dopamine hit anymore. Maybe it's time that I actually talk about what I need. And your needs are so foreign to this person who thought that they knew you because you didn't express them because you wanted the dopamine hit of praise, words of affirmation, or expression, whatever your love language is. Maybe it's physical touch. Maybe it's gifts. Whatever this person was doing for you. Usually these type of people, words of affirmation is the love language. Physical touch is usually second or further down the line, but I know I'm very much a words of affirmation person and a lot of the people in the periphery of my life that I know have these tendencies as well, words of affirmation is a really big deal too. So you're bombarding this poor person with all of these needs that they had no idea that you had, plus you're upset with them that they're not giving you your dopamine hit anymore and we're so entangled in this weird cycle of... External validation, dopamine hits, drama with this person that we're supposed to care about, that we're not even getting into the meat of what a relationship actually is. I think that there is a huge misconception for most of us as to what a relationship is supposed to be. Now, relationships are kind of like love in the way that I feel like everybody has their own personal definition. And the most important thing is to find someone who has the same definition of what love looks like, what marriage looks like, what relationships look like. However, I do think that the most unhealthy form of relationship is having somebody to do life with you. Now, I know that sounds completely backward from everything that we're taught, but I think what that saying is supposed to mean is somebody to do life with you, meaning being your partner, being your teammate, uh, witnessing you, holding space for you. But what we turn it into is literally somebody to do life with you. If you're exercising and going to the gym, they should be going to the gym with you. If you're eating healthy, they should be eating healthy too. 
If you're trying to save money, they should also be trying to save money. If you're trying to cut down on screen time, they should also be trying to cut down at screen time. We somehow just congeal with a partner and it's supposed to provide safety and validation when in reality, you are two completely different human beings and just smushing your lives together is a guaranteed recipe for resentment. So if we have a healthier definition of relationship, whereas you are your own person, I am my own person, we love each other very much for whatever reasons that may be, shared goals, shared life philosophy, shared interest in the existential, shared personal development goals, shared family values, whatever the fuck it is, we love this person. And we understand that they are going to be their own human with their own friends, their own things, their own shit. And we are our own person with our own friends, our own values, our own things to do, our own shit that the other person is not responsible for. Relationships, this is, I can't take credit for this either. Like Relationships can be one of the most powerful tools of personal development if you're looking at them the right way. In no way, shape, or form should your partner be validating you for anything, I think, in the healthiest relationships that I see. They can support you. They can encourage you. They can provide a safe space for you to sort yourself out. But in no way, shape, or form should you be getting validation from your partner, right? And validation, with that word, I think is really important here because it means to show that something is valid, right? Affirmation is a little bit different. If you're like, I'm the fucking shit. And they're like, yeah, babe, you are. That's affirmation. That's not validation, right? You already know. They're just there to cheer you on and pump you up and be like, yeah, you're 100% right. Validation is when you don't have it for yourself and somebody else has to hand deliver it for you. That is a very dangerous position to be in. So, Bring it right back around on track. If these are patterns that have been familiar to you, then I think we need to investigate if we've ever really been vulnerable. And I'll share some of my own stories, so maybe it'll make more sense. I've been talking theoretical most of this episode. But for me, I have done so much reflective thinking about my life and myself and my patterns. I've got a PhD in my problems, which is not helpful, but I understand the way that I operate from my issues, aka trauma, really, really well. So when I say that I'm an open book, which I am, is because I'm able to disassociate from pretty much everything that's ever happened to me. Meaning, When I talk to you guys about any of the stuff that I've been through, about my eating disorder, about my childhood, about whatever, it feels like I'm talking about somebody else. It doesn't feel truly personal, even though it's my story. And I can still get emotional while talking about it. I can still have feelings about it, but it doesn't feel like I'm naked with you guys. So it's easy for me to be an open book if I don't feel completely naked and exposed with you guys. And I thought that that was me being vulnerable, me sharing about past experiences, me sharing about the dating that I'm doing now, me sharing about my issues with my body and my weight, me sharing about my track record with men, me sharing about my struggles as a parent. That's all very real, but it's not vulnerability. 
And I realized this the other day because one of my dearest friends in the world, I'm Marco Polo with, when I'm in a healthy mental place every day, when I'm really struggling with personal development, I isolate myself. Don't do that. It's not a good idea. I'm working on it. (laughs) That I've removed myself from a lot of my friendships, but there's a, a couple beautiful people that are still, you know, knocking on the door of my life and making sure that I'm okay. And with one of my friends, I share a lot about what's going on with my children because she's a mama too. And one day after a particularly hard day with the big boys, she sent me a polo, a Marco Polo. I'm going to get emotional talking about it. And she was crying right off the bat. And she apologized for it. And she was like, I guess I just, it just clicked for me. What you go through as a mama and by yourself with these boys and these kids. And she was just like, at some point in our friendship, I will sit with you and we will have a really good cry about how hard this has been for you. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And I could tell that she felt it. And the difference here is my kids are still very much my Achilles heel. My children are the easiest way to hurt me. And my entire insides squirmed listening to that message. I was incredibly uncomfortable because I felt witnessed in a way that is really impossible for most people to witness me. Because of being a special needs mom, because I'm not in like real time friendships because internet and pandemic and fucking Alaska with so many people, I'm able to be honest and share. But as far as truly being witnessed and having to listen to someone's experience of me, that's vulnerability. And I realized I have an issue with it. I wasn't going to stop the video. I can't delete the video if I wanted to, you know, and because I care about this friend so much, I wasn't going to shut down her response so that I could keep myself safe. This happens a lot easier in real life, but we're also a lot less likely to do it in real life. So what we'll see a lot online or what we do a lot is we'll share our experience. We'll be like, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything. Or we'll share about something that we're going through, something that we've been through, but from a place of disassociation. Like you could put up the dumbest political post (laughs) or the most controversial opinion about, you know, insert shit, any topic in today's culture has the potential to start a fucking dumpster fire. Post it. Never look at the comments. Never look at the reactions. Never open your DMs about it. Like you don't have to live with the repercussions of what that post does. Facebook might put you in timeout for a minute. You'll be back out in no time. That's not vulnerability. That's exposure. And we get to choose how we process that. Actual vulnerability is me sitting in a room with someone to their face or having a real-time experience with them, right? And saying, I might give great advice but I suck at actual friendship because I feel like I need to show up at an 11 all the time or not at all. So you're either going to get the very best of me or you're going to not get me at all. And that's really confusing for people and I know that and I'm sorry. And then having to experience someone actually hear you and have a conversation about it. 
that's vulnerability. When you don't know what the outcome is going to be and you know you can't control it. That's real. So all of this give, give, giving in relationships or friendships or at work, knowing full fucking well that you're not going to give it back is a distraction where you don't have to be your own problem. Right? Like, like just mull that over for a second. You get to tell yourself, I give and give and give and give and give and give and nobody gives it back to me. My boss doesn't appreciate me. My partner's an asshat. My friends don't get me. When in reality, you have chosen the cocoon that you're in because then you don't have to deal with somebody saying, why are you giving me so much? What's that about? Because it's not about me. I know it's not about me. What's going on with you where you feel like you need to do this? How can I support you in not helping me? What about your survival patterns or if you're more comfortable with like issues, right? Is causing you to feel like you need to do this for me to love you. That's vulnerable as fuck. But most people don't have the emotional intelligence or the desire to actually be vulnerable enough to show up for us like that. So we kind of have to do this for ourselves. And we do this with friendships too, you know? Maybe you love hanging out with Nancy. Nancy knows everybody. Nancy's so much fun. She knows the best bars, the best restaurants. She's always in tune with the festivals. Or maybe Nancy just hosts a really bomb-ass bonfire and it's just you and her and you drink or you whatever your recreation activity of choice is. And she lets you vent about her husband or about your husband. She lets you vent about your partner. Don't vent about other people's partners to them. That's a very bad advice. I I did not mean that. (laughs) She lets you vent about whatever you want to vent about and you laugh your face off. You laugh until your sides hurt. That's fun. But is Nancy someone that you can talk to and say, sometimes I'm so overwhelmed, I just want the earth to swallow me whole so I can have some quiet for a little while? Because every human being that I have ever met in my entire life has that feeling. But I can count on one hand the amount of people that I've heard say something like that out loud. And I'm not saying to cut people out of your life that are incapable or unwilling. I mean, unwilling is the truth here, isn't it? Not incapable. Of being vulnerable. I'm saying understand that that is happening. And try really hard to not be that yourself. But your relationship isn't broken if you've got years worth of this like codependent, completely unemotionally available pattern. Your friendships aren't useless if they're based around fun and recreation and literally nothing else. Or, you know, getting the, the gossip, the tea, as the kids say about what's going on in your relationship and other people's relationships, you know? Like, that's not vulnerable either. Vulnerability is really based around you having to face feelings that could make you uncomfortable. And the funny thing is, is we don't always understand how uncomfortable truly being seen and loved can make us feel. I perpetually pick relationships where the person I know, if they get to know the real me, is not going to think I'm that great. I'm just not going to be their cup of tea. So when people actually witness me as myself, 
with all my weirdness and my sailor mouth and my insecurity and my flippity floppitiness and my having no idea about how I feel about something until two weeks after it's already happened. They see all of that and hold space for it and try and help me figure out why I do that. From a place of camaraderie, not of superiority. We see this online all the time too. Someone will share what they're going through in the thick of it. How many times have you seen like a snot-nosed, tear-stained pic of some you know influencer or wannabe influencer talking about some horrible thing that they're going through right now? And the line is always like, it's not pretty, but it's my real life. Okay, but if you want emotional connection or validation, strangers on the internet can do it for a minute, but it's fleeting. There's still that third wall that you're not getting through because again, you can post something like that and not look at it for three days or ever. And we call it being brave and we call it being vulnerable and it is brave to be exposed in a way that makes you uncomfortable, but it is not the same as having a vulnerable moment with another human being. Now, why does this matter? Because vulnerability also includes a certain type of honesty with oneself. And when you're honest with yourself, that's how you build the little teeny tiny little baby seeds to liking yourself. And when you like yourself, everyone else's moods and shit talking and opinions and everything just matters a lot less. The people that you see not giving a fuck the hardest are usually older. They've just been too worn out. (laughs) But I think that we can have that now and not have to wait until we're in our like 50s and 60s. I give so much less shits in my 30s than I did in my 20s. And it's just because I've been worn down. And the longer that I live, the more that I realize nobody thinks about me as much as I think about me. In fact, that's literally the entire problem. I probably need to think about me a lot less. But anyway, that's a small tangent. But find people that you can be vulnerable with. And if you're not sure if you can be vulnerable with someone or not, if this is someone who's a major player in your life, give it a shot anyway. The worst that can happen, especially if this person loves you and is not abusive or narcissistic or what have you is they just don't know what to do with it and they mishandle it a little bit but they figure it out be honest vulnerability almost always boils down to a fear that is planted from some long long seated issue so in summation (laughs) try being vulnerable with people who are deeply implanted in your life and if they can't handle it Maybe we need to think about who we let be really close to us. I know that prior to being a part of Clovis, there was no one that I was emotionally available with because I intentionally picked people that weren't being emotionally available with me. I know that there have been people that have come in and out of my life that were extremely ready for emotional availability with me. I couldn't sustain friendships with them because I couldn't look at myself like that. Everyone in our lives is a mirror. Everyone in our lives is a mirror. And we never see this more clearly than we do with our kids. Like you see that meme all the time. It's just like, I had no idea I'd be, you know, giving birth to a sassy three-year-old version of myself. (laughs) 
but that's true of all humans. We just see it sometimes the easiest with our kids. But the shit that irks you about other people is something that you haven't dealt with in yourself. So again, I don't have a solution for this. (laughs) But I think being aware of patterns that you've participated in allows you to move forward making different choices super informed super loving super graceful choices so now when i date i try and pick different people with different kind of context clues about who people are i try really hard not to isolate as badly and i'm trying to remove myself from relationships and friendships where i know i will never get the opportunity to even be truly vulnerable or truly seen because it takes time away from potentially building relationships with people who will want to see me and if you think no one's going to actually want to see you you are so fucking dead wrong you are so so dead wrong there is no greater honor in the world than being trusted enough there is no greater honor that you can bestow on someone than letting them see who you are as a whole working on yourself, completely imperfect, not with enough money, not skinny enough, not old enough, not established enough, not certain about anything enough, not dedicated enough, not healthy enough, like fuck it all. There is no greater honor you can bestow on someone than letting them see who you wholly are when you stop trying to impress people. Because we know that sometimes we expose what's going on with us so that we can get the validation so that we can get the attention so that we can reel somebody back in so that we can you know x y and z we're very intelligent creatures i've told y'all before you're the best negotiators with yourself you're also the best judge of what you can say to get a specific reaction out of someone else so just take some deep breaths and think about how you would show up if you knew that there were no consequences and try and be that person as much as you can. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to listen to this episode and be like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to tell my partner all my deepest, darkest fears in one vomit, verbal regurgitation of all of the thoughts that I've been keeping to myself because I've been worried that I'm going to be judged and don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> one piece at a time. And if you want me to talk about more stuff like this, if this wasn't horrendously confusing, let me know. I want all of the feedback about the show. What topics are the most of use to you? What are not? What do you think I'm completely wrong about? What do you wish I'd stop talking about? What do you want me to talk about more? All the things. Just give me whatever feedback. Any feedback is, gosh, more than appreciated. So I'm going to wrap up this episode because it's been a lengthy one. But in the meantime, I see you. I love you. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon.